Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Will mankind survive the coming great tribulation? Will Jesus bring the restitution of all things? What will the world look like when Jesus restores all things? Is there a good permanent solution to all this world's problems? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Albert Hardy. Hi everybody and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Today I want to discuss a very interesting and odd piece of scripture. It's John 9 and verse 4. And we're going to go into this and look at some Old Testament and New Testament scriptures that talk about this particular subject. Jesus is talking and he says, while it is uh, while the day lasts we must be busy with the work of him who sent me the night comes when no one can do any work and this is the James Moffat translation now let's see what the NIV translates that okay here it is and i'll give you a little context on this one Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as, it, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself ins insisted, I am the man. Well, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash, which I did. And I came back seeing, just instantly. Where is this man? they asked. I don't know, he said. So they brought him to the Pharisees. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and healed his eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he said, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? Healing a man that was born blind? I reckon that would be. 
so they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man and said, What have you to say about him, about Jesus, in other words? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He's a prophet. The Jews still didn't, did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for his parents. Is this your son? They asked them. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know that he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue, which meant the loss of worship, the loss of a connection to God, and uh, ostracism from his peer, their peer group. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind, and he said, or they said, Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples too? They hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are Moses' disciple. We don't know, or we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't know or even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he's opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man and who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man that was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How can you dare lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, Lord? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him, and in fact, he's the one speaking to you, or with you. Then the man said, Lord, I do believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, what? Are we blind too?
Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you can see, and your guilt remains. Going on to verse 10, he said, I tell you the truth, a man who does not enter in the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out, or come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he runs away. He abandons the sheep. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is an hired hand and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this particular sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself, my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, excuse me, and I have authority to take it again. This commandment I have received of my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided, and many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of, a, of the blind? And you can read the rest. I'm going to stop right there at uh, John 10:21. But the verse I want to focus on, I just wanted to give you a clear set of context, is verse 4 in chapter 9. And this, this is a peculiar phrase that he uses. It's not, uh, I don't believe it's anywhere else in Scripture. Night is coming when no man can work. Now, what do you make of that? 
Well, let's see what the King James might reveal. I've got my, I'm in my library looking at all these different versions. I want to go to one more. We've been to Moffat, the NIV, now the King James, and then I want to go to Young's, John 9 and verse 4. Here's the way the King James puts it. I, and in parentheses it says in the AV, uh, we, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So let's go to Young's and open that up. Now Young's is a literal translation and there are no references John 9 and verse 4 let's back up to 3 Jesus answered neither did this one sin nor his parents but that the works of God may be manifested in him it behooves me to be working the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night does come when no one is able to work." Unquote. I find that fascinating. What's the night, and why wouldn't people be able to work? I mean, don't we go to work at night? I used to work the night shift. Well, I'm going to give you a quick take on this. And you can look it up for yourself, but there are a lot of scripture that, scriptures that talk about darkness. Hmm. If you go to Strong's Concordance, which I have right in front of me here, you can count how many there are, but there's probably 200 scriptures with the word darkness in it. And some of them are more significant than others, and that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. You make darkness, and um, it is night. That's Psalms 104.20. But I want to take you to uh, some of the prophets and see what they say about it. Um, let's see. In Isaiah... Isaiah 50 and verse, verse 10. Of his servant, brightness, your darkness be as noonday. Okay, in uh, 60 and verse 2 of Isaiah, here's what he says. I'm going to read this in the 59, is very interesting too. The Eternal's hand is not too short to save. The Eternal's ear is not too dull to hear. It is your own iniquities that interfere between your God and you. Your sins have made him veil his face from you until he will not listen. So cleanse your hands. But anyway, in 60, let's see. 
Arise and be glad, your light is dawning. The eternal splendor rises upon you. Through darkness, or no, I'm sorry, though darkness covers all the earth and a black cloud shrouds the nations, wow, all the earth, the nations, yet the eternal shines out upon you, his splendor on you gleams till the nations gather to your light and kings to your bright beams. Look around you. Look, how are all the flocks, how are all flocking in your sons from far away? And you can read the rest of Isaiah 60, but the point is, there's going to come a time when the earth is covered in darkness. For references, go to Joel 2. There's one in Nahum I wanted to show you. Let's see, where is it? Bear with me. Let's first go to Joel 2 and verse 2. Joel 2, 2. You know, I've noticed that people today are just so very lost when it comes to anything spiritual. They don't read their Bible, and certainly not the Old Testament. It's like it's, ew, the Old Testament, you read that stuff? Uh, yeah, if you want to know about the future, you want to know about prophecy, you must read the Old Testament, as well as the New. It's all one book. Get this. Verse 1. This is in the King James. Blow the trumpet in Zion, that is, in Israel, and sound an alarm on my holy mountain, which is Jerusalem. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, and it is near at hand. A day, this verse 2, Joel 2. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there has never even been the like, and neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Okay, so we've got a day or a time of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Verse 3, A fire devours before them, that is, this strong and great people, a great herd of people, in other words, and behind them a flame burns. The land, as the Garden of Eden was before them, Behind them a desolate wilderness. Yes, and nothing shall escape them. Now, let's go to another scripture, Amos 5 and verse 18 and 20. Now, Amos follows Joel. Let's see, we're going to go to uh, 518. 
Here's what it says. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man f did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into his house, or to the house, and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Verse 20. Amos 5. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Whoa. In verse, uh, let's see, where does it go from there? Zephaniah 1.15. Zephaniah is, there's two Z words, there's Z names. Uh, Zechariah and Zephaniah. Zechariah is later on, but here's Nahum. It goes Jonah, Micah, uh, Nahum, but anyway, in, in that particular order. Nahum, and let's see, looking back into Strong's, 1 8. 1 8. Well, let's go to uh, 5. Well, in verse 3, he says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Dropping down to 5, The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. And the AV says, Upheaved. Yes, the world and all that dwell therein. That means you and me. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down and broken asunder. Okay, now, 1.8 says, But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place, Thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. Wow. Then, let's follow that with Jeremiah 15. Let's see. Hang on. Bear with me if you would. Now, Zephaniah 1.15. There are so many scriptures that talk about this darkness. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, one eighteen. Well, let's back up to uh, fourteen. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastes greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall there cry bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and a day of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers 
or battle uh, battlements, and I will bring distress upon men, that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as dung. Neither will their silver nor their gold be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by fire, the fire of his indignation. For he will make a speedy riddance, an end, yes, a terrible end, of all them that dwell in the land. That sounds awful. I don't want you to think that that's all there is, gloom and doom to prophecy. But I do want you to know that before the good times come again, there are some severe trials coming to everyone on earth, including me and you. Now, in uh, chapter 3 of Zephaniah, verse 16, he says this, In that day there shall... Uh, there it shall be, or it shall be said to Jerusalem, "Don't be afraid," and to Zion, "Let not uh, let not your hands be slack." The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty, and He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy, and rest in His love. He will joy over you with singing. But we'll talk about what causes this darkness. Here's a hint. Go to Isaiah 34 and read that chapter. Isaiah 34 and also verse nine, or chapter 9 of Revelation and verse 2. But I'm going to need to pick it up again next time. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next time for more of this in-depth study of prophecy. You may never have heard anything like this before. And that's what I'm trying to do, is bring out the real truth that is buried like gold in the Bible. Till next time, you can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and check out what's there. My books, I have eight books on there. You can download them. You can print them, PDF, uh, print them. And uh, you can watch my videos, uh, the links that I put in there, they're, they're not all mine. But anyway, I hope you have a great day, and don't worry too much about it, because God is going to save humankind alive, though about 9 out of 10 are going to lose their lives. That's why, in my view, prophecy is so important. You don't want to be the one to lose your life. Be prepared. That's the whole idea. Jesus told us to do that. Be ready. And that's what I'm trying to help people get ready. And what I'm trying to do. So anyway, have a great day. And I will pick up this next week. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you then.